Hey, how's it going? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and today we have Andrew Gincola, the host of the Personal Finance Podcast. We're going to geek out about health and fitness. Andrew has been on the show before. That was episode 418, and we talked about his background and growing his podcast to one of the top shows in the business and personal finance categories. And I think this is like not just saying one of the top podcasts, like seriously in the top 50 podcast, business podcast in Apple podcast. Now, after that recording, after that show, we talked for a while and started talking about Andrew Huberman, Peter Atia, and how we've tried to integrate their teachings into our health and fitness journeys. Today, we'll reference a couple Tim Ferriss podcast episodes, specifically the ones where Huberman and Atia were on this year. You could look it up. I don't remember the specific episodes. Huberman focused on what he called pillars of health and well-being, including sleep, nutrition, exercise, sunlight, relationships, and supplements. He talked a little bit about cold plunges as well, which Andrew has some specific experience. And then Atia talked about longevity. He had a book that came out this year, and he talked about cardio, strength training, as well as lifespan and health span. He also talked a little bit about alcohol consumption, which I have some firsthand experience to discuss today as well. And I'm excited to talk to Andrew today. So how's it going, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Doug? Awesome. I, you know, speaking of the alcohol consumption, I've cut way back. So I've been sleeping amazingly and... I feel great. I feel so much more fresh these days. So it's um, it's been awesome. Now, for the people that did listen to the episode and they don't know who you are, can you give a quick intro, just a couple minutes for the folks that don't know you? Sure. My name is uh, Andrew Gincola. I'm the host of the Personal Finance Podcast. And we just talk about building wealth, personal finance, investing, those types of things on that show. Um, and I am someone who I my entire goal is to teach people how to build wealth and to teach people you know, the steps they need to take in order to build wealth. And so we started the show a couple of years ago in, in 2020 during COVID, actually. And then um, the show has just kind of grown over that time frame and, and really excited for the, the future of that as well. But we do a number of different things like that. Um, and so my background is actually Actually, in corporate finance is where I started. And then uh, so worked in the corporate world for a while, and then started a real estate company, we sold that real estate company, and then did some a bunch of other businesses now. Um, and so that's kind of just a quick background for me and, and kind of what I do. Uh, and now our main focus is the, the podcast and some of the things that we're doing with the podcast. And then did you ever consider yourself like an early retiree after you exited the business or anything like that? Or you were just taking a little break as a young businessman? So for me specifically, yeah, I, I did like I, that. My initial goal was to become lean fi essentially, and um, and so I hit that. But once I had kids, my goalpost started to move a little bit, and so now it, I'm more so pursuing fat fire, which is just the main reason for that. Honestly, is for generational wealth a, and then b. Um, is I want to give back more. So I want to give more money away. And so those are kind of two of my motivators. And in addition, I kind of I love what I'm doing every single day now. And it is really a, a huge passion for me. So I don't see myself ever stop um, working whatsoever. So for me, it's hard to, for me to get that goalpost to stop moving, honestly. Um, and that's one of my biggest struggles when it comes to money. Um, but but that is one big piece for me is is getting to that fi fat fire goal just so I can give more money away and that type of thing. And for the people that aren't familiar, how would you personally, how do you define fat fire? So for me specifically, uh, it is anything that is above the eight to $10 million range is kind of the thought process for me. And typically the reason for that is just because it kind of gets you above specific levels. So, so some people, this, their definition could be a little less, uh, but for me and my standard cost of living where I am, that is way more than enough that I need. Um, I'm pretty frugal by nature. And so uh, that's going to be exceedingly more than I need. And so to get to that level, that means I can give money away to um, to people in need. And that's kind of the, the big goal for me. All right. And I'll move on so I don't mix up the shows that I have since I have Mile High Five podcast. It's easy to just start talking about whatever <laughs> our conversation leads to. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with you, Andrew, in a few weeks. We're on a panel together at a FinCon. I think by the time this episode comes out, it might be right around that time. So looking forward to just catching up with you and hanging out. But let's go ahead and move into the discussion today. And I'm going to kind of open it up with Huberman's four, 
That's more than four pillars. There's several pillars that hold us up here. And I'm curious what you sort of rank these as, and you don't have to put all of them in there, but I'll list the ones out that are kind of the main ones. So sleep, nutrition, exercise, sunlight exposure, and relationships. And I think the sunlight exposure maybe isn't as important, but there's a few of them here. And I'm curious how you rank them and kind of what you do. And we're going to kind of go back and forth. This is really going to be a discussion like we would have if we are hanging out. So I think if we're looking at just the health side effects of a lot of this stuff, I think number one overall for me specifically is sleep. And I know relationships on a emotional level will be number one, but specifically for a health level, uh, sleep, if I sleep well, I can pretty much feel like I'm a superhuman every single time I sleep well. And so I really, really try to prioritize that piece as much as possible. And we can talk about a number of things that I do, but there is a book called Why We Sleep that actually nailed this down for me as to how important sleep truly is. And they, they even showed studies of folks who did not sleep for eight hours a night and they would sleep for five or six hours a night and their bodies actually looked like they were trying to fight off disease and cancer and all that type of stuff, uh, more so than folks who actually slept the full eight hours that they were supposed to. So there's a bunch of really cool things in that book that, um, that really lay out the importance of sleep and that's just one small factor. But when I sleep well, that is one big piece. And then relationships are huge for a lot of people, especially for me specifically, um, you know, having family, having little kids, that's a huge piece, but then also spending time with friends. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that we like to do with friends, um, that kind of, that kind of make that impact. So that's another big one for me. Nutrition though, is the, the other, the third one probably for me. And nutrition is a massive, massive differentiator in how I feel my mood, how I produce every single day. Um, and then beyond that exercise, so exercise, I do every single day. I just kind of make it a habit. And a lot of times I don't want to do it, but a lot of times, uh, when we go out there, there's a lot of uh, cool things we do and from lifting to zone two cardio, which I'm sure we can talk about more. Um, so those are like the main four factors that I really, truly, truly focus on. Sunlight is one. I know that, um, and you and I can talk about this too, is, is Huberman is really, really big on. And it is one where I try to get more sunlight, but I do it through exercise. So there's like a, a combo there. He does it first thing in the morning, which I think is a very interesting concept. I've never noticed a huge difference with that um, when I get sunlight first thing in the morning, but a lot of people claim they have. So like for, it's very, very interesting to kind of get the sunlight in your eyes um, and kind of go through that entire process. But I haven't seen a massive difference when it comes to that one. Um, but a lot of other people have. Now, I have seen a huge difference in getting long-term sunlight exposure in terms of like my immunity and my my immune system where I get mm-hmm. sick way less often as long as I get enough vitamin D and, and sunlight. Um, so that is one that I think is very interesting. So I'd love to hear your side of that too. But uh, but that is one that that I think is, is uh, a lot of people are really, really into. And that's one that I just don't do first thing in the morning. Got it. And you're in uh, sun- Sunshine State, right? Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm in uh, Tampa, Florida. So for, for us here, we get tons of sunlight. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty close with, with the rankings here and I'll unpack some of the stuff that you went over as well. I was going to say exercise is my number one, like you, it's sort of a habit. And I didn't grow up as an athlete, didn't play sports. I think you played basketball, right? I did. Yep. Okay. So like, you know, you had uh, some of the relationships and the athletic stuff going on as well, which is is great. And I, I think that's fantastic if, if people are able to, but I didn't have, you're pretty tall. I'm a little shorter and I didn't work as hard when I was younger. So I wasn't, I wasn't a team sport player, but I do have a, a great habit of working out most days and I don't push myself as hard as I should, but it makes me feel great. And from a stress standpoint, um, exercise is huge. So even if, you know, maybe I didn't sleep as well or I'm a little tired, I will still do like a smaller workout. And I think James Clear talks about like reducing the scope of a workout where you still go, you still keep the habit, but maybe you do half or a quarter of what you thought you were going to do, but you still get your ass in the gym. So, yep. However, this year I've really improved my sleep, specifically my deep sleep. And like you said, you feel like a superhero. I feel smarter. Everything's easier. Things don't stress me out. And I look back not only at my professional career where I didn't get enough sleep and maybe I had too much caffeine and I was like, I could run on five or six hours a night. I really wasn't. I I was just tired all the time and a lot more cranky and 
it actually led to overeating some as well and just really beating up my body when we can get away with it in our 20s. But now that I'm getting more sleep over eight hours a night and you know two to three hours of deep sleep, it's amazing. And the chili pad is one of the things that made a huge difference to get my temperature down. And sometimes I feel a little cold, but I look at the stats and I'm like, I slept much better than if I, and I'm just warm natured. So, you know, getting that core temperature down with a chili pad or something like that is amazing. Now, go ahead. And I think the chili pad is a one huge factor. I've been looking at that for years and I haven't pulled a trigger yet because my body runs so incredibly hot. But anytime I'm cold, like it helps me sleep for so much longer. So that's really interesting because I've heard I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about it for uh, years and years and years when he talks through that stuff. Um, and I just think it's amazing how how it actually, you know, can reduce that core body temperature. So that's something I definitely want to look into. I know yeah. there's like a bunch of different versions out there now. Right. Um, but it's definitely worth the investment because it's, you know, it's a third of your life that you're spending um, sleeping. So if you can get better sleep with something like that, I think it's worth the investment. It's definitely an investment for sure. Yeah. And I, I thought you had one already. As soon as we finish, like go and check it out. I'm not an affiliate or anything like that. There's a few different brands, but like literally it changed my life within like two days. And like my wife noticed as well. And she's been exploring options. She doesn't want a chili pad. She didn't, it didn't work for her as well, but she's looking for stuff that like circulates the air. And I think she has one from some, some other brand, but basically within a couple nights, my sleep improved dramatically is absolutely wow. insane. So, so don't sit on it anymore. Like I, I did for like five years. I was like, ah, it's like $700. I really don't know. Just get it. You could return it if you don't like it. So I'm, I'm definitely going to do that because I think it's just one, one big piece that I've been waiting on for a long time. But I think my core, especially here in Florida, like our, our temperatures are just so high that we have to run the air so low, even to, to kind of get our core body temperatures down low enough. Um, and so that's definitely something I'm going to do now. Is it like a half piece that you could do like half of the bed? If you're like, cause like my wife and I are, right. are both there. She doesn't love being cold, but I think she could still like this, the, the reduced core temperature, I guess. Yes. You can get, um, half size. So I have a half queen and that fits me in there. Um, and you could actually get two, Right. So she could control hers if she has a different temperature. So I think they have some models where it's like a dual king setup, something like that. And then you both have the flexibility to dial it up however you want. In the winter, I'll actually like turn it up so it's warm when I get in the bed and then I'll turn it down. So it like brings my temperature down. It's pretty nice. That is awesome. I'm going to definitely do that then because uh, I think that's definitely worthwhile the investment, specifically if you can sleep better. It's just going to be amazing. And moving on through mine, uh, nutrition, very important. And I have I've had a good summer, Andrew. So I, I traveled a bunch. I basically was invited to uh, many different parties and I was visiting friends and family and it's always a special occasion which leads to dinners out, parties, desserts, extra drinking. And I was doing a little bit less working out just because I was out of my normal routine. So say I'm eating 15 or 20% additional calories and then I'm getting 10% less exercise. I'm still doing stuff, but... Pretty quickly, I started to get softer around the edges here. And I, in the last couple of weeks, I've gotten back home. I've been able to get back into the routine and I've actually started counting calories because I really want to, I want to cut the fat. I don't really care about my weight so much. I just want to cut the fat out. And as I'm tracking calories, I see that I was probably eating four or 5,000 calories on weekends, just like letting it go. Like, Hey, I did good during the week, but I easily erased everything and then put on weight by just partying from like, you know, Friday until Monday, it would be, I'm a bottomless pit. Right. So I could eat like a whole pizza, right. It's, it's absolutely crazy. So I'm, I'm getting it under control. I'm only about a week and a half for almost two weeks in, but I feel better. And I'm, I'm making better food selections and putting myself in a, in a scenario where I can succeed. Even if there's drinks out, I plan for it. And I'm like, I'll have one drink. I'll volunteer to be the driver, that sort of thing. So nutrition has been really, really critical in the last couple of days. And I feel better, 
too. So, um, relationships, it's hard to rank these cause they all are so important. Relationships right. have, um, been huge, especially in the Longmont community here. We have a lot of, uh, friends that have similar values. They have a lot of free time as well. And there have been a lot of occasions over the summer to hang out or go on a hike or, or do something like that. And it's really fun is, we've lived here for a few years, we are making like the, those good connections where you can call someone up and say, Hey, having a bad day. Like, do you want to go, go for a hike or something and get outside? And there's a handful of people that we could call and it, it just makes you feel good. So. Exactly. And that's a huge, that's a huge factor in terms of like just being able to kind of connect with other people. It just, it changes everything in terms of your health. And there's studies that have shown that, you know, it reduces that stress, reduces that anxiety that you have by connecting with other people. And obviously it is one of the number one needs that we have, I think. So I think it's just one major factor for sure. So that's amazing that you have that. Yeah. Really lucky that we moved here and I, I had no idea the community that we were stepping into, but it's been fantastic. So if people are thinking of swinging through Longmont, you should, there's a, there's a built-in community here already. So, okay. Well, it sounds like both of us are conscious and we're like deliberately making some decisions to do well in these different pillars, but are there a few areas or specific things where you're like, I, I am working on this currently. I want to fix some things up. Yes. So the, the sleep thing is the, the first one. I can go through some of the things that I'm doing now. So one big thing for sleeping was, and even Huberman has talked about this before in the past as well, is that I was, when I sleep, I'm actually a mouth breather when I sleep. So I started to snore more and more and more as time has gone on uh, to my wife. Has, it's just been driving my wife crazy. She's a super light sleeper. So one thing I tried, and, and it's actually been working, is utilizing something called mouth tape. And this sounds like a crazy thing. And in fact, the, the company that I buy it from is called Hostage Tape. Yeah. And they send it over and like it went to my the, my neighbor's house instead of to our house. And they probably read it and like, <laughs> what the heck are these people into with this hostage tape? Um, but <laughs> so it came in. Uh, and finally, uh, I tried it out. And the first couple of nights, it was difficult. You literally tape your mouth shut. And it's it's got like a breathable material in there. So it's actually not that uncomfortable. Um, and it forces you to breathe through your nose when you're sleeping. And it's kind of weird at the beginning. But I was trying to do everything I could not to like go on a CPAP or something like that. So we went through this whole this whole process. And now I'm so used to it that it doesn't it doesn't cause any issues. But your deep sleep, actually, you stay in that deep sleep state much longer, which is super interesting. Um, because you're breathing through your nose. And now I've noticed like even for my day-to-day -day activities, um, I'm not like, you know, mouth breathing whatsoever because mouth breathing really does have a lot of negative effects when it comes to um, sleep and just your day-to-day -day life. So reducing your mouth breathing is going to be significant making sure you're breathing through your nose. And then recently I figured out part of the reason for that is because I have allergies and I didn't even know it. So there's like a lot of factors in between there that kind of, that kind of come into play. Um, but that was one really helpful thing for sleep. And then obviously now that you're talking about the chili pad, I'm definitely going to do that because that is a, that is a huge factor as well. So on the sleep side, that's a big, 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 a big one that we're doing. Um, on the nutrition side, there's been some stuff where I have gone from at the beginning of the summer, I realized I was gaining weight as well. And I was doing a lot of these different things, but I was not eating as, as well as I should have been. Um, so I was at like 240 pounds, like typically I'm, I'm six foot four. Um, and so I was like at 240 pounds. So I dropped 20 pounds. Like now I'm at 220 just from doing this. So I track my macros or my calories on my fitness pal, um, every single day now. And now I've kind of gotten used to it and kind of know where the, the portions are. I eat similar to the same thing every day, but I try to front load my protein and I have a high protein diet is what I try to focus on. Um, so what I'll do is early, I'll just have like four eggs in the morning. Um, sometimes they're egg whites, sometimes they're just eggs. And then in the, at lunchtime, I make these pre-packaged uh, bags of um, chicken. And so I eat a pound of chicken every day at lunch, which is like for some people sounds like a lot. It's really not a, a crazy portion, especially for Doug. If you like, uh, if you say you're an empty pit, it's not going to be a ton for you either. It seems like it's a lot. But once you start eating it, I just eat a pound of chicken a day. And sometimes I'll have a side with it like tortilla or, or something along those lines or brown rice, something like that. And then so a lot of times I'm hitting my protein goal really early because then I have a protein shake after I work out. And so my protein goal is done. And then beyond that, then I can kind of eat freely in the evenings because I have so many carbohydrates and fats left in my macros. And I learned this from Alex Hormozy, who a lot of people I'm sure know, 
Um, that's how he eats. And so he eats, he front loads all his protein throughout the day. And there's arguments like, can your body digest that protein? But I really have not had any issues in terms of like feeling worse. Actually, I feel way better by doing it this way. Um, and it reduces my overall calories that I intake throughout the day. Cause then I know I can have like some of the, the stuff that I enjoy later on in the day, as long as it fits in within those macros. Um, and so that is one huge thing that I've been doing is kind of front loading all of that protein goal. Um, where I'm getting most of it through the, the front end of the goal. And then I only need like 40 grams by the end of the day. So that's a huge one. And I've gotten this thing called a Ninja Creamy. I don't know if you've ever heard this, um, but a Ninja Creamy can turn anything into ice cream. So it can take like a protein shake and you put some like fat-free or zero fat milk in there and it will literally turn it into ice cream. It is one of the best things I have ever bought in the last year. I think it's the number one selling appliance right now. And then okay. I'll even take like, it's amazing. Um, and I'll even take like watermelon or, or fruit and put it in there. And it turns it into watermelon ice cream, like the same texture as ice cream. It is the, one of the most incredible machines I've ever, I've ever purchased. And that's really helped me because I have like a, a sweet tooth at night. Typically, that's helped me like reduce some of those calories there. Got it. Okay. I have several follow-ups. This is, this is amazing. It's like we could sure. be roommates or something like that. <laughs> so with the snoring stuff, I too, similar thing. I would uh, breathe through my mouth, snore a little bit. I knew about the tape, but when I when I hopped onto Amazon, there were like a million choices, and I was like, I don't know if I'm getting some kind of a weird lead-based adhesive sure. that's going to give me uh, issues or whatever, because there's so many. I should have just gone with the hostage tape, but I eventually um, got... I think they're called like nasal dilators. It's just a little silicone thing that sticks in your nose and it feels a little weird also, but it, it's similar, you know, those breathe right nasal strips. Yep. It's like that, except it's on the inside of your nose. And wow. my wife is a light sleeper too. So she would like wake me up when I snored and it would, you know, disrupt my sleep, just like you're talking about. But the nasal dilator things have been working awesome. So both of us are actually sleeping better because I'm not waking her up and she's not waking me up. But I, I kind of forgot because I mean, I didn't know when I was snoring, but that potentially was impacting my deep sleep as well. But the little nasal dilator things are awesome. If you can, you know, you feel them in your nose, but it kind of goes away after a few minutes and then it's all right. But if I coupled that with the tape, I have a lot of appliances on my face, but it would probably do an even better job. Um, that, that is interesting. I got to check that out. Yeah. There, it's only, I just got them at the normal pharmacy drugstore. And I think it was, it was inexpensive. It was like under 20 bucks. And I'm a little frugal too. You're supposed to like use a fresh one each day. And then it would be like a dollar 25 per, but I've reused it. I just clean them and you can reuse the same one. Oh and yeah, I'm sure. I, I don't have like a runny nose or a cold or anything. So it's like, they come out clean. Everything's fine. Um, but they're inexpensive just to test out for a night or two, just to see how it goes. The other follow-up questions that I have for you, protein. So are you aiming for like one gram of protein per pound of body weight? So 220, something like that? Exactly. So what I did was I I aim for whatever my end goal is, I aim for that many grams uh, of protein per day, because that just extends the amount that I can have in carbohydrates and fats, which is the fun stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And so for me, like I'm not uh, on a zero carb diet whatsoever or anything like that. Sometimes though, I just don't crave carbs. And so I won't eat them. But for me, it's about one gram of, uh, per pound. Yep. Perfect. Okay. And I'm aiming for that maybe a little bit more as I'm, I'm actually... Well, I guess you were doing this too. I'm a little bit at a calorie deficit. Um, yep. So I'm just like, I just really want to, and I'm trying to put on muscle. So I really want to make sure there's plenty of protein. And for typically I was like trying to stay away from carbs except for beer. But as after I did like a week or so, I'm like, the carbs are really helping me when I go work out and I have more energy because I used to intermittent fast quite a bit. And I was just tired. I would go to the gym and I would literally be tired. And I can't remember it. Maybe Atia had mentioned that he has cut back on the intermittent fasting. Do you kind of remember that? Or do you, do you intermittent fast? Exactly. That was my issue with it was I was always tired. My energy levels were low and I think it's a fantastic kind of 
way to look at things because you can reduce the amount of calories you take in each day. But the same thing, I think Atias did, did say the same thing, that his energy levels were low. And I found that every time I've tried it like four or five different times. And every time my energy levels are just too low to kind of get through that that morning session. And I think I, you know, just naturally, depending on what I have going on, I might end up doing that or intermittent, intermittent fasting, maybe like once a week or once every two weeks, especially like with right. travel days, you go to the airport and you're going to make a bad food decision. You're going to go to like Panda Express and get like a pound of rice or something like that, yep. which I love, but that's a lot of calories if you, which I have been getting at the scale and I've, you know, you put like half a cup of rice and it's like, whoa, that's like three, 400 calories there. Like it's, it's crazy. a lot, but before workout, it could be great. Now, what do you do for uh, cardio? So for cardio, I have a number of different things and we can talk about the workout side. I, I, I can talk about how, like how I structured my day too. Um, but for cardio now, like for a long time, there's two, there's two major primary things I do now. And number one is I like to go on like an hour long walk and this helps in two ways. A, I can listen to like podcasts I like or, or audiobooks, that type of thing as I'm walking. Um, but B, the creativity just kind of goes crazy in my brain. And in addition, what happens obviously is you're, you're melting away body fat as you walk. So I don't like, I used to run all the time. I used to do like marathons and triathlons. I don't run much anymore. Uh, cause it was, it was high, high intensity on my knees, but now I do do those walks and usually it's like right around 45 minutes or an hour. And I try to do them in the afternoon, uh, when my, when I'm starting to, my energy levels are starting to go down. And so that's been really, really helpful. Uh, another big thing that I do now, and I do this, I'm obsessed with it is pickleball and pickleball is one where it's like, you stay in that zone two cardio zone. Um, and so if you're not familiar with zone two, uh, anybody listening, zone two is basically uh, where you have your heart rate at a specific zone. Um, and there's a, there's a bunch of different factors that, that come into play there. But in that heart rate zone, it is you can still kind of hold a conversation. You can still talk to somebody. You could have a phone call, um, but you are doing cardio. So at that time frame, that is when your body is really kind of melting away fat. And that's kind of the fat burning zone is what they call it, what Huberman and Atiyah call it. Um, and so zone two cardio is really, really important. And I'm really obsessed with pickleball. And that's perfect for that zone two cardio, especially if you play doubles, if you play singles, it's going to be a little harder. Um, but with pickleball, that is one big thing. Now I'm playing like three or four times a week. Um, whereas before I was doing something like on the elliptical or I was doing something else where now this is like a fun activity that I can do zone two cardio at night for. And then I lift in the morning and we can talk more about that if you want to. But on the zone two cardio side, those are the big two things I'm doing now is walking. And I'll do either one each day, walking and or playing pickleball. Got it. And the, the pickleball is great. I haven't gotten into it, but uh, one of my friends, Eddie at Downshift Financial, he's obsessed. I think every time I talk to him, he's like, oh, I just got back from the, the courts or whatever. And the great thing with that, similar to tennis, is the, the social aspect. And I've heard tennis is one of the you yeah. know greatest sports for longevity. It does beat up your body a little bit more. My wife plays and she has, you know, knee elbow stuff as we get older, it's just bound to happen with re repetitive motion, but pickleball is a lot less, um, I guess, impact and a little bit easier on the body, right? It is. And like the, the cool thing of the social aspect that you're talking about is this is one big piece where every friend that I had is like, I'm not playing pickleball. That looks stupid. That looks like a dumb sport. And I make them come out there and play. And everybody gets hooked on it every time I make them come out there. So I'm like hanging out with friends the entire time that we do this. And even our in our neighborhood here, all of our neighbors, this is actually how we got started. Our neighbors started playing. We put all our kids down at, at nighttime and we'd start playing at, in the street and, you know, drinking beer and, and playing pickleball at the same time. And that's really fun. Um, but we just started playing in the street with each other. And then that then we start some of us started to get really, really serious. Uh, and started playing, you know, like at local courts and stuff. And that, now all of our friends go. So if we have a night where we're playing pickleball, like tonight, we'll be playing tonight, every Thursday we play. Um, there's going to be 12 to 15 of my friends there every single time. The problem is it's hard to find courts because it's growing so rapidly that if we go to a court with with eight different courts there, there is a hundred people waiting every single time we go to those courts. So we have something, uh, it's, it's insane. The demand is so high here, specifically in Florida. I don't know what, how it is in Colorado, but the demand is so high here and there's not enough courts 
um, that has been a major issue. But uh, one big thing that uh, we found is we found like this secret cord at this rec center that nobody knows about. Uh, we call it our secret garden. So um, everybody has sworn not to tell anybody. Um, and so we go, we go play there and find, found this secret court that we, uh, that we just like a group of us go play. So like, it's one of those things where like, if people find out about that court, it'll be full in, in two seconds once, once they find it and they're going to find it eventually. But, um, but that is one big factor is it is so popular here that they cannot keep, uh, they cannot keep people you know, off these courts. And then there's an indoor location that just opened with six courts. And that location um, that has the indoor facility, I've talked to the owner, is making over $60,000 a month just on on having six pickleball courts. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, it's really, it really took off after uh, the, the pandemic and everything. Yep. And I th- if I remember right, I mean, Florida is a big tennis um, state generally. So n- not that there's a direct translation, but I know a lot of people like tennis wasn't for them specifically, or they had to stop because joint issues or something like that. And then they moved to pickleball. So do you think that has something to do with it too? I, I think that is part of it. And then some of the tennis players don't love us because we're on their courts. Uh, but I do, I yeah. do think that is a big part of it in, and some people come over from tennis and then we've seen a lot of like, like football players, basketball players that played like division one college athletics that really want to get like that uh, competitiveness back. Um, they're starting to play this now. So like we have all kinds of athletes that are playing with us now, ex college football players, that kind of stuff. Um, so it's been really, really cool to kind of see all these different folks, but also people like in their sixties and seventies can play. And some of these people who are in their sixties and seventies are amazing. I mean, they, they'll kick your butt if you go out there and play against them. So it's interesting because there's tactics to it and there's, there's some additional things, but you also get that workout as well. So there's, there's a lot of cool benefits to it and it's, it's growing so fast, especially here that they, the, they just can't keep up with the demand. It's crazy. Before too long, I'll, I'll have to check it out a little bit more. It looks, it looks pretty fun. Usually I do see the seniors over at the rec center here playing in, in the gym they, they set aside some courts. So I'll have to check it out sometime. Everyone loves it. So now for me, as far as like the, the social athletic thing that I do is a hiking. Um, and I don't do it quite enough. Uh, we're close to the mountains, but you still have to drive a little bit and there's a little bit of a barrier, but I've been trying to do a little bit more here in the, um, the fall. The weather's been really nice, but yeah, I, I do need to find something like that. That said, you know, I go to the the gym here, the rec center, and there are a handful of friends that we have that I'll, I'll just wave out. We don't work out together. Everybody has earbuds on these days. So sure. it's a little bit different than it was a few years back where you go to the gym and you, you chat with people in between sets or something like that. But well, we'll spend just a short time on strength training. I see we're going to run out of time like we did before, but um, yeah, what do you do for your strength training in the morning? So in the morning, I lift weights every single day and I built a home gym um, to make this super, super easy. So I put a, a squat rack in there. I have a full set of dumbbells up to 100 and then I have a cable machine too. Um, and so now what I've been experimenting with is forever, I did like a bro bodybuilder split, whatever you want to call it, where I would do like have an arm day, then I have a chest day, then I have a back and you know, whatever, shoulder day, whatever else. Uh, recently, though, I've been trying when I lift to do a full body split five days a week, which sounds bizarre. It sounds counterintuitive. It sounds like you can't rest enough. But I have a lot of people who were telling me about this, especially for natural lifters who aren't on, you know, any, any, uh, you know, different TRT or anything like that. Um, for natural lifters, the frequency is a big factor. As long as you get enough rest uh, with between some of those days, the frequency is a huge factor in terms of like finding that muscle growth. So we've been doing or I have been doing full body splits uh, where I will literally do every body part every day just in a different uh, different exercise. And I've noticed my strength has gone up significantly because of that. And in addition, um, I've just noticed a lot of a lot better performance also. So like there's um, some additional things that, from trying that. And it may just be from switching it up. I've been doing it for like three or four months now. Um, and I was doing the bro split for so long. Or it may just be because the frequency of actually hitting those muscles, especially the smaller muscles like your biceps, triceps, um, some of the, the smaller muscles, you can really kind of crank it out and, and pound those things. So it's just interesting to watch that. But I lift every single morning, six days a week usually. But I do the full body split like five days. And then if I miss a day, that's what that six day is for. Uh, and then outside of that, I'll just, you know, always do the zone two cardio. Got it. And for the, the full body, just to be clear, so you don't do like the same thing, like five days in a row, you'll do like 
every other day, um, or you'll do the same thing every other day, but hitting the full body. Is that kind of what you're talking Basically, about? Basically, exactly. So I'll do one, I'll do five days. So I'll end up doing like two days in a row, full body, and I will, but the exercises will be different. So like, for example, if I'm hitting the, tri- doing triceps, there'll be different angles that I'm hitting so that I'm hitting kind of different parts of the tricep each day. Or if I'm doing legs, for example, um, you know, I'll hit different parts of the legs, that type of thing. And, and so it makes it where it's okay to, to be able to go ahead and do that. And if you're just starting out, like three days is much better than, than five. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, and then once you get to that point, then you can kind of extend how many days you're doing that out. Uh, but it's been really beneficial for me specifically. And I'm, I'm still like testing this out to see why it's so beneficial, but it's just made a huge difference in terms of strength gains where I haven't had a ton of strength gains as of recent. And this has like been the first time where it's actually activated that. Got it. Okay. And then final thing on sort of the fitness aspect, are you targeting a specific weight or fat percentage or are you maintaining right where you're at? Are you trying to add strength? What are you, what are you doing? (laughs) So I always want to have like, I I always want to add muscle, which uh, is very hard when you're in a deficit like this. So for me, it's kind of maintaining and then getting down to where I want to be, which is probably around another 10 pounds or so 210 and kind of see where I am. I'm kind of slowly trying to lose like a half a pound to a pound a week now. Um, and just seeing each and every week kind of assessing where I am and kind of figuring that piece out. Cause I, I actually love the, the science behind that, but the slow, uh, reduction is going to be the big factor for me. Um, so that's my main goal is to, to put on muscle and lose fat, which is very hard to do. It's almost impossible. Some people say, uh, but that is kind of my main goal overall. Got it. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the same, the same kind of goal situation of like body recomposition where you're like right on the, the maintenance calorie area, like maybe a little deficit some days, maybe a little higher when you're lifting harder and never, never going out of control. Like I was doing on like, you know, travel, travel days or something like that, where I eat like 5,000 calories and don't even pay attention or don't let me walk by like a a cookie table or dessert table. I'm just like, oh, I'll just have one Same. more and one more. And it's like so easy to exceed like your wildest estimate. When I started logging it, it, it was amazing. It, it's crazy. And like you, I reduced my alcohol consumption because I'm a huge beer guy as well. And so I reduced that alcohol consumption significantly where now my rule is that I, I used to like, would like watch a movie. You know, I, I only would drink on weekends. Like I usually don't drink in the week, but I would always drink on weekends. And when I did, I would like watch a movie and drink four beers. I'm like, well, what's the point of that? So I changed my rule to just socially is the only time I will drink, which reduces the frequency so much. Like there's I haven't drank in, in two weeks because of that. Cause I haven't like gone out socially drinking. Um, so it just kind of reduces that for me. And so my sleep has been better and health overall has been better, but I do love beer. So that's the hard part is, is, uh, is trying to figure that whole thing out. Yeah. And you drink a nice craft beer. It's 200, 250 calories. Exactly. And like you're saying, I could, I'll knock down like three or four. And I, I wasn't, um, I would drink every day. So I would drink like three or four beers like every day for like a few years, but I was active enough where it wasn't really, I wasn't really putting on weight. I was like in a good spot. So it's been, it's been eye opening, and I'm not, uh, luckily most of the time I didn't have any like alcohol abuse issues except for like, unfortunately like FinCon weekends or something like that, where you have 10 drinks in a day because everyone's hanging out, but we're not going to do that this time. All right. We got to stay accountable (laughs) to each other. Got to stay alert (laughs) for the next day. That's kind of the big thing is, is kind of just figuring out what that balance is. So I actually wrote out rules for myself because I kept like slipping on this for, for a year or two. I wanted to do this for like a year or two. And then this year, like for the last eight, what has it been? Nine months now, I've actually stayed consistent with like the social rule. Uh, which has been awesome. Like I just wrote out the rules and like stated some of my rules. And then like, if I have a really bad day or something like that, um, then I'll kind of bend or break the rules. If there's like a celebration of, you know, something, then, then we'll do that. But outside of that, that's kind of like my, my main hub now is, and it's reduced significantly. It's probably helped. It's helped definitely help with the weight loss, but in addition, it's reduced, um, some of those issues. Got it. Well, and just, uh, I'll quickly state for an accountability, uh, situation in myself, I'm aiming for 12% body fat. So I crept up to maybe like 17% or so 
And same deal. I'm, I'm just going slow, maybe half pound, a pound per week. I think I'm going to integrate some, some breaks as well. So maybe I'll go fairly strict for uh, three to five weeks or something like that. Take a little break so I don't hit the plateaus. And mentally, I can sustain that. The, um, I mean, it, part, part of it is just like the challenge to see if I can get to like 12%. If I'm if I'm doing good, I may go down to ten percent, which I don't think is sustainable. I think probably like twelve to thirteen percent. Like I'll feel good. I'll be able to eat what I want, and I don't care about the weight so much. I think I'll end up putting on, if I had to guess, maybe like two to five pounds of muscle. But I expect that'll take a year or something like that. I mean, it, it's very slow when, like you said, we're we're on the fine line of maintenance calories. Exactly. It makes it makes it difficult. And it's it's uh, but one of those those cool things about about building muscle is just over time, you can kind of see the differential like over that those time frames. Um, but I think 12% body fat is a great goal. And that's one thing like, I think body fat percentage is probably a better goal than the weight percentage just because you can kind of see the composition and, and see how you look. I think that's the better way to look at it. Right on. Well, we are starting to come towards the end. So there's a couple of things that I'll just slam in here. We did talk about the alcohol. Um, generally, you know, you have your great rules, but generally for me, I don't have anything specific, but I perhaps should write stuff out. I'm mainly focusing on the social aspect. And even then only like one or two beers, there will be times where I will, you know, at FinCon, I will have more, but I'll just integrate that into my plan. That'll be one of the weeks where I'm off, but I'll still, I'll still keep it under control. So as we shift here, let's talk a little bit about lifespan versus health span. And I think Andrew, you're familiar with it. So I'll let you introduce it here. Yeah. So, uh, that is one big factor. I think for a lot of people that they need to understand is that there's, there's health span and there's lifespan. And Atia t- kind of describes this, uh, much better than, than I could probably. Um, but there are, there's a ton of different things that you really want to focus on to figure out, you know, do you want to have, you know, that longevity is longevity part of your goal? And how do you kind of think about how long you want to live? Cause that's one big thing for me now is like, I realized recently that I've had high blood pressure, for example. So that's one, one reason why I kind of started my health kick initially is just it runs in my family. And so how long do you want to live? How much longevity do you want to have there it is kind of a big piece of this. And so thinking about that, um, that's where I make some of the, the lifestyle choices that I actually have is, is because of, of how long I want to live. And I want to make sure that I'm kind of making those conscious decisions. Um, and so that is one big piece that like, if you listen to a T or anybody else, this is, this is one big factor you definitely will look at because I think having this, uh, in play is going to change the way you make choices when it comes to your health for sure. And then thinking about the health span as well. And, you know, my family specifically, you could share in a second here, but like cancer runs in my mom's side of her, the family. So both my grandparents died at 67, 68. My mom made it to 73, all cancer related. So that's like on that side. On my dad's side, some of them live to be like a hundred and not everybody, there's still some cancer coming in. um, And they typically didn't live super healthy lifestyles as far as diet and exercise. And they still lived quite a long time. So I'm kind of in the middle. And, you know, when we talk about this uh, longevity, you have to think about dying basically, which is uncomfortable for most people. But the other side of it is like, okay, let's say I can make it to, we'll just say 95. There, there's a chance the last 10 years are not going to be great. And I think it's a Tia that talks about the, I forget the last 10 years, uh, what, what the term is. Do you remember? I can't remember the term, but I think it's, um, but th- this is super important what you're, what you're describing here. Yep. So we'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but basically the last 10 years are important. You don't want to be like, um, unable to like walk a mile or spend time with your friends and family. You want to be able to do things. So you have to think about what you want to be marginal able to decade. do. Sorry. Marginal decade. Perfect. Yep. So that marginal decade, you want it to be as pleasant as possible. So we have to start now in our forties to, or even before that, to think about the quality of life. And really that's what we're talking about. The quality of life as long as possible, because if I could live to be 150, but the last 50 years suck, 
I don't want to do that. I'd rather have like a really good, you know, 85 years. That's great. Maybe the last year, you know, not everything's going to be sunshine and roses, but if you can make the last years as good as possible, that's fantastic. So, you know, we're, we're both cutting out a little alcohol, you know, that's not good for you. It's literally a poison. What, what other things are you doing? You know, you have uh, young kids and you're thinking about family and, you know, being able to spend as much time with them and maybe your grandkids or great grandkids. So there is a lot of like different little things that I've been, I mean, trying out. One of them um, that I love to talk about now because I've been doing it for the last couple of months is cold plunging. And that is one like it ha- kind of helps the longevity side. There's a lot of different factors that we t- talk about there. Um, and pairing cold plunging with sauna. So I talked about how I have high blood pressure. And Heberman has these really, really good episodes talking about um, heat exposure and cold exposure. So I will get in the, the cold plunge um, for like five minutes every single day. And it does a number of different things for me, like in, including increasing, uh, increasing my, you know, there's a lot of like my energy levels, that type of thing. It reduces stress, but also it's just uh, one of those things where you can actually feel like your body's decreasing that inflammation, all that kind of stuff. And then pairing that with, with heat exposure, I'd like to get a sauna at my house. I still, I actually just have a gym membership just to go to the sauna. Um, but heat exposure, Huberman has these studies that he was talking about where if you get heat exposure five days a week, it reduces your risk uh, of a heart attack by 80% is what they're finding. So that heat exposure is a massive, massive thing. So I really do want to get a sauna for the house. Um, but the problem is the heat exposure has to be at high temperature. So it has to be, um, you know, like 150, I think, or 180 degrees, somewhere in that range um, is where the heat exposure has to be. So I crank it up to like 180 at the gym when we go and I just sit in there for as long as I can before it feels like I'm baking um, and then get out. So it's like a, it's, it takes practice and it's one of those things where it's really, really important though. But for me specifically, that is one big thing that I'm doing to live longer is the heat exposure and the cold exposure. And the cold exposure um, has just been an amazing, amazing thing where like, even now I've, I've showed it to my family, my parents, all those types of things. And they, they try to come over all the time just to get in the cold plunge. So it's, it's a fun, uh, a fun thing to do socially also. But at the same time, those are two big things that I'm, I'm looking at doing and then, and then furthering um, by getting my own sauna eventually. We were looking at a sauna cause I, I grew up going to a sauna at the, at the Y when I was a kid, probably starting at like age 13 or something like that. And, you know, I got away from it here and there, but there is one at the rec center. And I was just thinking, I don't know. It's, it's pretty warm. I, I could tell that it's pretty warm, but I'm actually going to bring my barbecue thermometer today. Idea. And I'm, I'm going to check to see how hot it is. Cause I'm really, I'm not sure. Um, cold plunge. I haven't done a full on cold plunge. Now, what, what temp is the water? So anything below 59 degrees is considered to be okay for a cold plunge. And the benefits are the same at like 55 degrees as they would be like at 38 degrees. And so I did this once I keep mine at 50, like right at 50. I have the plunge, like the, the bathtub looking one. Um, uh, so I keep mine at 50 at all times. And then um, that's like the perfect temperature where I could sit in there. I go numb after like a couple of minutes uh, and then I could sit there as long as I want. But one time I did do it for 20 minutes just to see what would happen. And that was definitely way too long. Like my whole when I got out, like I could feel it in my muscles, like the pain, like my my body was thawing out. Um, So like right around five minutes, I found is the sweet spot there. Got it. Okay. And I've thought about getting one. Because if I invested the money, I will tend to use something, but right. it, um, yeah, I'm not sure maybe I should just test out, so like filling up the bathtub and throwing a bag of ice in there and, and seeing how it goes. But I guess the, the benefit, like with the, the plunge, it has a cooling mechanism, right? You don't have to load up ice all the time, right? Exactly. So it stays that same exact temperature and you just kind of plug it in the wall and it has a cooling mechanism that, that keeps it cool to whatever temperature you want it at. Okay. And you keep and you, it running. It run, It's basically a little, the one I have is basically like a little, um, it's like a, having a hot tub, only it's cold. Uh, it has a filter and everything. Like it has the same exact system as my pool has, uh, but it has, um, but that's how it runs. It's just like a mini pool, basically. Got it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I know that's one of the the big things. There, there was a stretch where I was taking cold showers and this was back up in Bozeman. So the, the water temperature was actually pretty cold. I think it was around yeah. 50, but being submerged is not the same as like a cold shower and uh, Bozeman hot springs is a place um, 
where obviously they have hot springs, but they would have that a steam room, they had a sauna, they had uh, a couple hot tubs. I think it ranged from say 104 to like uh, 108 or something, some pretty hot ones. And then they had a wow. cold plunge. I think it was typically around uh, 55 or 60, but going from, you know, say 106 into 50, it feels like jumping into ice water. It is uh, dramatic and it, it feels awesome, but yeah, it's really cold. It's really, really cold. I've tried that with like, we have a hot tub at the house and like, I've tried that, um, from going from the hot tub into the cold plunge. And it is very hard to do. I mean, it's much hard. It's much easier to go from cold plunge to hot tub than it is from hot tub to cold plunge for sure. Man. So Andrew, this, this, uh, has to come to an end. I could talk to you for hours, man. We didn't even get through about yeah. half of it, but I'll kick it over to you to see if there's anything that we didn't talk about that was really important that you did want to mention before we finish up and let people know where they can find you. Sure. Uh, one last thing I guess I could say that I, I have been doing is I've been utilizing, um, if anybody ever has like sore knees or their knees hurt, is I went to a bunch of doctors to try to get my knees fixed because I was wanting to play pickleball and all these other things. Um, and they, I had tendonitis in my knees. They couldn't figure out, you know, a good solution for me to fix my knees. And the one thing that actually helped fix it um, was a torque sled. So it's a sled that's on wheels and you walk backwards with it. And there's a guy named Ben Patrick who has, um, it's called Athletic Truth Group or ATG is what they call it. Um, and this like literally fixed my knees as this sled. Now it's not cheap. I think it's like seven or 800 bucks. Um, but it is the one thing and it was worth every penny that actually fixed my knee. So I literally walk backwards on a sled for like five to 10 minutes every single day. Um, and that literally solved that problem for me. And it also is a great cardio workout as well. So that's another piece of the workout. It's legs and, and some other things that it does. Um, so it's, a uh, it's actually weighted and then you, you walk backwards to the sled and you can also push it. So there's a lot of cool workouts you can do with it. Um, uh, but that is one big other thing that I've been doing is utilizing that sled. And it really does reduce that knee pain for me for sure. And then if you guys, uh, ever are interested in personal finance or anything like that, we have a show called the personal finance podcast, and we talk about money and investing and all those different things. Perfect. Yeah. We'll link up to that and yeah, great show. It's a good contrast from mine where we ramble on and, and such. Your shows are tight. They teach something specific. And I know a lot of people that listen to my show, they, they want to earn some more money on the side. And hopefully at some point, they need to figure out what to do with the excess money. And your show can really get people moving in the right direction. I know there's a lot of you know, finance is one of those places where there's a lot of money to be made and that leads to a lot of charlatans and stuff like that. Yep. But you're a, you're a straight shooter. There's a lot of good information. So highly encourage people to check it out and I'll link up to all the stuff, including your social media and such. So people check, check out Andrew's stuff. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was so much fun.